want to turn to Matthew 19. Before we jump into that, I want to remind you that in a few weeks, on June 3rd, uh, we have our summer kickoff, so we'll all meet in here. Um, if you're new to Bay Marin, if you haven't already guessed, uh, first Sunday of each month we do what we call All In, which means all of our kids and students join us in this room and we all worship together. And so the first Sunday of each month we do that, and in a month we're going to do it again for our summer kickoff where we'll honor our graduates and uh, celebrate and right after the service, we'll uh, be going to the Kaplan's home. Brian Kaplan, who is just up here, he and his wife Stacy have offered to host us. And we're going to do a potluck, and we're going to have baptisms. We're going to celebrate baptisms in the Kaplan's pool. And so if you are interested in baptism, learning more about baptism, please see me, and I'd love to talk to you more about it. All right? Let's pray, and we'll jump into Matthew 19. God, thank you for another Sunday. Thank you for the opportunity to get to worship together. Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate you as our creator and redeemer and to celebrate life together as a community. God, I pray that you will lead us and guide us by your spirit this morning as we explore this text, this story from the Gospel of Matthew. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, Matthew 19, verse 13, as Brian read, it says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them, but the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. So, uh, point, Jesus loves children, let's sing Jesus loves me, this I know, and go home. Good? No? Should we explore it a little more? All right, let's explore it a little more. So this is interesting that uh, the disciples rebuke the children. Uh, they're living in the first century in a Greco-Roman world, and uh, a lot of what's going on in the first century is that part of the Greco-Roman worldview has uh, been implanted amongst the Jewish people. Um, the Romans did this thing called Hellenization. They wanted to Hellenize uh, the entire world and have everyone buy into their cultural understanding of how to do life. And a part of that meant that children weren't important, uh, that children were more considered property than people. Uh, children were considered property until they got to a particular age where they could, according to the Romans, actually contribute something useful to society. Before that, they just kind of got in the way. And so the disciples have bought into this worldview and have said, uh, listen, Jesus is important. Jesus is too busy. Don't bring your children to Jesus. Now, what's shocking about this in Matthew 19, that the disciples rebuke the children, is that just a few days before, if you want to flip over a page to Matthew 18, look at the beginning of Matthew 18. It says that the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? This is an important question for the disciples because they have had arguments about who's the greatest. Uh, they want to know which one of them is going to sit on Jesus' right and Jesus' left in the kingdom. They, they anticipate that Jesus is going to set up this earthly kingdom, and they want to be really important people in this kingdom. And so they want to know who's the greatest. Like, hey, we've left everything to follow you, Jesus, so we're, we're the greatest, right? So who, who, which one of us is the greatest? 
And Jesus called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And Jesus said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is talking about Benjamin Button before Benjamin Button. Uh, You need to change and become a little child, Jesus says, or, or you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. This happened just days before people bring children to Jesus for him to pray for them, and then the disciples rebuke them. Like, did, did they forget this already? That This object lesson that Jesus gave them, that if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, become like a child. You need to learn from children. Now, deep-rooted in Jewish history is this idea of implanting within children God's ways and the best possible way to live that God has given us. Uh, the, the most sacred text to the Jewish people, the Shema, which they recite every morning, says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So this this sacred text to the Jewish people says right within it that these teachings of God, that this way of life that God has set up for us, impress them on your children. Uh, Make sure your children know this way of life because it's the best possible way of life. And, And don't just talk about it every now and then. Talk about it when you are at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. It's supposed to be a part of us. God's way of life, God's teaching, it should be a part of who we are and everything we do. And wherever we go, whether at home or somewhere else, it should be flowing through us and it should be communicated to those in our lives. It should be communicated to children as they walk along, talking about God's ways and the best possible way of living. This is what God has invited us to do. Uh, And and so the disciples rebuke these children, rebuke the parents, actually, from bringing children to Jesus. Uh, This is an issue of of judgment. The, The disciples have decided kind of, who's in and who's out, who's important, uh, who's worthy of attention, uh, who deserves Jesus's time, and who doesn't. Who, who is a waste of time and who is worthy of Jesus's time. I, I wonder in our lives uh, who we have pointed out and decided in our own minds who is worthy of our time and who isn't. Uh, Because in Jesus' worldview, everyone belongs. Everyone is worthy of his time. And in this episode, most certainly, children are worthy of his time. Uh, And so Jesus says, don't hinder these children from coming to me. I I wonder for us, 
In what ways might we be hindering children in our day from the presence of Jesus? Because it, it's been like a, a, almost a complete flip from the first century, century Greco-Roman worldview where children aren't important and children don't have value. Uh, today, for us, it's like everything revolves around our children, right? Our schedules, our uh, school, sporting events, drama, music, you name it. Like everything revolves around children for so many parents in our culture. It, and so I wonder if we look at all of that, if we look at our crazy schedules and just simply ask ourselves, in what ways might we be hindering children in our day from the presence of Jesus? How are we encouraging our children in the midst of everything they're involved in, in the midst of the severe pressures they face in our culture today from experiencing the presence of Jesus? In what way are we teaching our children that everything we do is an act of worship? Uh, have we prioritized school more than the spiritual development of our children? Uh, in what ways are we encouraging our children to recognize that, that school is not a separate entity from their spiritual development, but a part of it? That, that a part of human formation is recognizing the holistic way God has created us to be, and that when our children go to school, it should be done as an act of worship. When our children enter the sports field, it should be done as an act of worship. When our children get on stage, it should be done as an act of worship. When our children engage whatever they engage, it should be done as an act of worship. Uh, our children will imitate us. If we live our lives revolved around our schedules and busyness, so will our children. But if we live our lives recognizing that everything we do is an act of worship, then by God's grace, our children will follow in that way as well. Uh, are there ways we are hindering our children from experiencing the presence of Jesus because other things have taken priority. Um, this text reinforces what Jesus has been teaching over and over again about being the least, being the last. Jesus says elsewhere, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you, who is the greatest. Next slide. Can we go to the next slide? Many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. The last will be first, and the first will be last. Uh, th this is something we've tried to teach our children in our home, and um, it's kind of... Uh, Fitness, because there was this one day when our kids were talking about who gets to go first or something like that, and the older kids, me first, me first, me first, and our four-year-old said, 
that's okay, because Jesus says the last will be first, so really I'm first. <laughs> and now it's become a, a joke in our home. Like, anytime there's this argument over who's first, someone will quote this. And I'm like, I don't know if this is being communicated the way we hope to communicate it. Uh, but, but Jesus is saying, it is the lowly. It, it is the humble. It is those who choose to serve and give of themselves for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of others. That is who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so God is always inviting us to this way of being in the world. And with our text today, Jesus is pointing out the vital importance of children in the kingdom of God. Uh, part of the reason why we at Bay Marin have chosen to focus our outreach efforts on at-risk women, children, and families, why we partner with organizations like Marin Foster Care and the Gilead House, which is a safe haven for women and children, because we believe that children are vital to our society and to what God is doing in our world, and that we have something to learn from children about the kingdom. And when there are vulnerable, at-risk children in our world, we are called to do something about it and to see change happen and to see God's kingdom come in beautiful and creative ways in our midst. Uh, th this text is not just about children and welcoming children and loving children well. It's also about something else. Uh, we, we live with this sense of how we're called to teach children, to raise them well. Uh, the text from Deuteronomy 6, impress this way of life on your children. Uh, Jesus tells us something else. Not only are we called to raise children well, teach children, we're called to learn from children. Jesus says, look, look at this child, because unless you change and become like this child, you will not inherit the kingdom. So I wonder, what, what is it about children that Jesus is inviting us to learn from them? That there is, there is something about children that Jesus is inviting us to learn from. Uh, and I don't think it's just something. I think it's many things as we watch children and learn from them. And, and so Jesus is inviting adults to watch and observe children and, and pay attention to what about children embodies kingdom characteristics. And I, I would say one of those things is unpredictability and playfulness. Uh, that we as adults, as we grow and mature, sometimes we think part of maturity is, not, is having control rather than releasing control and allowing the unpredictable to happen and to just roll with it. Uh, I think it was Jerry Seinfeld that said uh, something about having children is like having a blender that is constantly running without the top. Uh, 
can we live our lives in such a way that we recognize that the blender is constantly running and stuff is constantly flying all over the place? Um, unpredictability. I mean, I live with unpredictability every day of my life. Uh, I mean, we're sitting around the dinner table a few weeks ago, uh, and again, trying to impart, trying to be good parents and impart on our children this way of God. And uh, the text we were talking about that night was in John 8 about Jesus being the good shepherd. And like two, three years ago, we had memorized Psalm 23 as a family. So we said, oh, let's recite Psalm 23 together because it connects with John 8 and, and God is shepherd. And so the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And uh, so we recite that together. We're having a conversation. And in the midst of table dialogue, I'm regularly saying things like, eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables, please eat your vegetables. And that night we were having broccoli, and uh, I said, Knox, please eat your broccoli. And, and Knox says, well, the Bible says I shall not want, and I don't want my broccoli, <laughs> so... <laughs> we have some profound biblical scholars in our family. Uh, the way the text is quoted in our home. <laughs> Unpredictability. Um, there's a sense of innocence among children that we lose as we get older. Uh, what, what does it look like to enter back into innocence and just living in such a way that we view the world with new eyes, with the eyes of children. Uh, joy, profound joy uh, can be found in children. Any emotion, right? I, I Maybe better said vulnerability. Children, we, we can learn from children the way of vulnerability. Uh, Jesus lived a life of vulnerability. Just here it is. Here's who I am. I have nothing to hide. Uh, children just show us raw emotion, joy, sadness. Uh, the capacity to move from sadness to joy in a heartbeat uh, is intense in our home. Um, exploration and adventure. Uh, I think we have so much to learn about the kingdom from children as we observe their capacity exploration and adventure because this this is an adventure story that Jesus has invited us into this kingdom way of life is an adventure and we're invited to explore and just be ready for whatever the adventure throws at us next uh, powerlessness uh, we can learn from children about powerlessness. We, we grasp for power and control, and, and not that children don't, uh, but, but the recognition that they, they do represent a, a segment of our world that, in essence, is powerless, apart from the love and support and nurture of adults. Uh, we can learn this from children, humility. Humility. Uh, the way of the kingdom is humility. Jesus 
made this really clear in the Matthew 18 text. Unless you change and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position or the humble position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I think all of these things, and, and I'm sure you all could name many more that embody uh, characteristics of the kingdom that we can learn from children, but I, I think perhaps the biggest one that we need to relearn, that, that God invites us to change and become like a child, is dependence. To recognize our utter dependence on God. Because unless we feel like we are self-sufficient and self-dependent, uh, we don't feel like we have control. And then we live with fear and anxiety. I, I have to be self-sufficient. I have to be self-dependent. Uh, and children aren't. Children utterly depend on their parents and other adults in their life to care for them, to love them, to provide for them. And I believe Jesus is inviting us to relearn dependence on God, utter trust on God, that, that God holds us and we are dependent on this God for every breath. Apart from God, we don't have the breath of life flowing through us. Every breath is gift, and we are dependent on that breath to survive. We are dependent on God for every moment of our lives. This is something that we are called to relearn about the way of the kingdom, and we can learn it by watching and observing children. Uh, and we see an example of this need for dependence in the very next text. After Jesus says, let the children come to me, the kingdom of heaven belongs to these. Right after that, it says, just then a man came to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? Further down, Jesus says, well, keep the commandments. He says, I, I've kept all of these. What do I still lack? Verse 21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. I don't think it's a mistake that this, <laughs> this story comes right on the heels of the story with the children. It, it's an example of, of a man in the scriptures who was self-dependent, self-sufficient. He, he had everything he needed, uh, and so he had no need for the way of Jesus. Or the call of Jesus on his life was too severe because it would take away his self-sufficiency. It would take away his self-dependence, and he wasn't willing to give up his self-dependence to depend on God and follow Jesus. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, if you want to inherit the kingdom, you must look like a child. You must have faith like a child. You must have trust like a child. You must depend on God 
the way a child depends on its parents. The, the rich man says, what must I do? Uh, the, the, the answer to that is, there's nothing you can do. What parent in here expects your child to do something to earn your love? You don't. They already have it. Why do we continue to live with the lie that we must do something to get God's love? You can't. You already have it. We are deeply loved by God, and this God invites us into a way of life where we accept that reality. We are loved. You didn't do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to cause God's love for you to grow. It's already far greater and more expansive than you could ever imagine. It's been there from the creation of the world, and it remains there. You can't do anything more to earn God's favor or God's love. It simply is. God's love is present to you always and forever. And we are all invited to recognize our dependence on this God who calls us children. Uh, last slide. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. God longs for us to live life as an act of worship, recognizing that everything we do is with God and in partnership with God. God invites us to this life where we trust and depend on God's good gifts that cause us to live and breathe and experience life. Uh, so this morning, before we come and partake of communion, uh, which we'll do in a couple of minutes, we'll take bread and dip it in this cup and remember Christ's body broken, his blood poured out for our sake. We'll remember our utter dependence on the grace gift of God on the cross and the power of the resurrection. But before we do that this morning, I want to uh, I want to invite the children to head back to their parents or the adult they came with. Um, and here's what I'd like to do. We don't normally do this, but here's what I'd like to do. Um, why don't we all stand? And as you feel led, would you pray for our children or pray for adults to become like children? Uh, and... Maybe, Brian, if you could lead us off, and then if uh, two or three other people would like to pray, and then I'll close us, okay? And God, I thank you for a church family like this where we recognize the importance of, of parents raising children, but we also recognize the importance of our entire church family coming around our children 
and imparting wisdom and doing life with them. God, I, I pray for each of our children, God, that they would continue to grow and mature in their love for you, God, that they would desire to follow you more than anything else. God, I pray that they would each find the unique calling you have placed on their lives and that they would live into that, that they would live into the glory that you have placed on them from the beginning of the world. God, I pray for each of the adults in our community, God, that we would more and more release to you the things we're trying to hold tightly to, that we would release control, that we'd release pride, that we would live into the humility and dependence of children. And God, that we would recognize that your love is present to us in ways we could never imagine, that there is absolutely nothing we can do to earn your favor or your love. You simply love us. May we live into that. It's in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, amen. amen.